Welcome back to the Boxing One Podcast. This is episode number 30. Whoop, whoop. Is this the Steph Curry episode, C-Last? You know it's the Steph Curry episode. We got to do it big. Got to do it big. Got to do it big. So this is your host, John Richards, co-host, C-Lassiter. C-Lass, and we are on it again. And obviously, we got to start in the place where we love that's near and dear to our hearts. The NBA playoffs are going on, and we got an interesting question for both of us tonight because we got two guys who are superstars in the league, and we pose this question to one another. We said, look, if I'm a GM in the league, if I'm someone who's going to start a team or wants one player to start a team with, and I have these two guys on the table, who is it that I'm taking? The first guy is Kevin Durant. Second guy is Kawhi Leonard, the claw. Okay. I know who I'm going to take. And I'm pretty sure all of our listeners, if they've been listening for the past 29 episodes, know who I'm going to take. So I'm going to defer to C-Last so I can just blow up his entire argument and ask him, who are you starting a team with as a GM? Nice try with the try to entrap me, bro. But here, here's my point. And here's I, I want to flip it to you as a question, actually. Um, so conventional wisdom has always said when they're healthy, LeBron's the best player in the league. KD is the second best player in the league. So if you're going to make the argument that Kawhi is now number two, I want you to explain to me when Kawhi passed him and how you knew that he passed him. Well, number one, Kawhi stayed on the floor. (laughs) And he stays on the floor. Okay? When I'm thinking about someone I'm going to invest money in as a GM, I'm looking at skill set, yes, but I'm also looking at longevity and durability. Kawhi is built like a house. KD is built like toilet tissue. It's nothing is against KD, okay? He's just a skinny, slender dude. I'm on team slender, okay? I'm on team skinny. So I don't have anything against him. I'm just saying... All other things being equal, they're really both great superstars. They both can score the basketball, and I think Kawhi has an edge on him defensively. I think you'll say that as well. But when I look at starting a team and bringing somebody on board, I'm going to go with Kawhi. And I'm not going to go with KD because KD is a defector. How about that? I think we're, I think absolutely. Like So we'll agree that um... – even though KD's not a bad defender, like that edge obviously goes to Kawhi. Like he's a generational type of wing defender. So obviously he gets that. I think the difference is uh, KD is 6'11", 6'10 and a half. So he's just taller. And so he does more and he stretches further. And Kawhi has made incredible improvements in his offensive game, but KD's always been a bucket. Like he came into the league as a bucket so i still don't think even with all the strides you made um that he's the type of player offensively that kd is even though kd does have some health concerns so like the way you're in a great position but listen 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 
KD is 6'10", right? 6'11", if you say 6'11". Kawhi is 6'7", and guess what? Wingspan is 7'2". He is a freak of nature, man. 7'2", wingspan. Are you serious? Like, but you're, I, not, you're not trying to say that KD isn't a better bucket than Kawhi, right? No, he's not. He's, he, he is. He can score buckets better than Kawhi. But I just need my man to stay on the floor. Like, every time I look at the Warriors bench, I see somebody wrapping him up in something. Compressions and, and all other types of stuff. I want a machine. Right. I want a machine, okay? LeBron's a machine. Kawhi so, is a machine. So not only are you saying that you would start him as a GM, but are you saying now that Kawhi is hands down the number two player in the league behind LeBron? I said what I said. I'm just asking. I'm just trying to get clarification. <laughs> yes, I am. I am saying that. So when do you think was like the signature moment that he passed KD? The signature moment? Yeah, like I when was say- it? Like, okay, this guy, this guy's definitely better, you know? I feel like there was a time when people started saying like, all right, this is not Kobe's league anymore. It's starting to feel, or Tim's league, if you want to go that route. Um, it feels like it's LeBron's league now. So I'm saying, was there a moment well, when you were starting to say, like, all right, like, look, look at the offensive improvement. Like, now you kind of got to say Kawhi's number two. Game four versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Kawhi Leonard scores the last, what, 15, 16 points. And he doesn't all, only do it on the offensive end. Like, he was shut down defense in the fourth quarter. Basically, bought them all the way back. Like, everybody who was watching that game, I saw my timeline, was like, Kawhi is ridiculously sick. And I'm sitting here like, yes, I've been trying to tell you guys that. So I would say coming out party was sometime last year, but apparently everybody else had to catch up. So if right. I if I was an objective watcher of the Spurs, I would say, okay, looking at this playoff series, he is just dominating the Grizzlies. All right, listen, and I agree with everything you said. This was one of the rare times I actually watched the basketball game. Usually I keep up with sports through the radio. But uh, my wife and I were on a date at Applebee's, so I had the game on. We went specifically to get wings and watch basketball. Um, And I said, yo, like, I haven't seen him that much. He's must-see television. Like, you can't not watch Kawhi. Like, I've slept on him. So that was my Kawhi moment. But what I'm saying is, like, I just don't – I'm not sure your argument is as strong as it could be since they didn't get a dub in the game where you're saying this is the game where he elevated himself to number two. Well, he if y'all – if y'all points, but he ain't hit that final shot. Look, if y'all going to give Russ the doggone MVP and he not getting dubs in the playoffs, I'm going to give Kawhi the coming out moment in the fourth quarter where he just dominated and took over and he just so happened to come short in overtime. Come up He's not still on that uh, hashtag not my MVP – Russ, are you? Uh, hashtag not my MVP. I need everybody to start using that before June 26th because he is fishing right now, okay? Look, we're not going to come to – we're not going to agree on this, okay? I know that you still got some love for KD, but don't worry. Kawhi is going to convince you next round against Houston. Yes, I we- like Kawhi. I'm just saying you you won't make him number two, though. Like, you, you literally still think that KD who – has a tough time staying on the floor, is the number two player in the league. It's fine, though. Okay, it's fine. So just for clarification, are we saying that's debatable or that he's clear? 
or if you're saying like, hey, now this has to be debatable, we can talk about it. But if you're saying that's clear, I'm saying, ah, still not clear to me, but it's definitely, he's moved it to where it's debatable. I'll give you that. It's free and clear. Like I got title to a land. Okay. Free and clear. Yo, I lost the job. To, I lost the title to my minivan. Oh, the man. title is actually a sore spot for me right now. <laughs> it's terrible. Who loses their title? That's crazy. Listen, and then the company that sold it to me shut down. So now the DMV is not trying to give me another one. So See, that's I, a whole nother story. That's a whole podcast in itself. That's why we can't go with you on KD. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So um, I don't know if you, if you, I know this has been a busy, busy week for you, but I was just wondering, did you happen to catch in the news what happened to the, uh, the young teenage boys who were leaving um, a, a community center and actually had an encounter with a police officer? Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the video. Um, someone actually sent it to me and I, it was appalling. I mean, I, I understand the description. I understand everything leading up to the encounter, but to find out that these young boys were between the ages of 12 and 14 and to see what happened on the video was really emotionally moving for me because my my son is six years away from being at that age level and could have could could have been one of those kids walking to the ymca and then having that happen i know a lot of people are talking about it's not really that big of a deal misunderstanding at the end of the video i really like where the 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 police officers like hey he was they were just in the wrong place at the at the wrong time and the father of one of the kids was like, no, they were actually in the right place at the wrong time. Let's actually get it straight because they were just coming coming home from the YMCA like any old any other teenager would, and they have guns pointing in their faces and are forced to the ground. So it really that one really kind of shook me when I saw it because because of the age and how young the boys were. Uh, so so that was that was really really uh, really crazy. So. Um for everyone who knows like i live in virginia i live in central virginia it's about a five and a half hour trip up to philadelphia um but i had determined not once but twice uh to make this trip to philadelphia strictly to attend um a church up in philly called epiphany fellowship which is pastored by dr eric mason and um i just have always had a deep appreciation for uh, Dr. Eric Mason's ministry because he holds tight to um, theological truth, but he takes that theological truth and engages the block. And one of the things that just so happened to coincide with the um, release of this video from the officer's dash cam uh, is the fact that BET was hosting some type of town hall and I was just thrilled personally to see that um, Dr. Eric Mason um, was granted a seat at the table in that discussion. I feel like so often Christians are not given a place at that table. And what they said is, hey, uh, your failure to engage in the past and to rather retreat um, when these conversations come up has lost you a seat at the table but uh, for him to have the type of ministry that holds tight to theological truth while engaging the block has started to earn us back a seat at the table. So I'm hoping everybody gets a chance to check out uh, that piece on BET. We'll definitely put a link up on the podcast um, blog and 
check out what Dr. Mason said as he engages with other people who had a lot of good stuff to say. I don't know. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but as soon as I get some free time, um, I can't wait to get into that. We're talking about the Us or Else show, the T.I. Uh, on BET, and it looks like E. Mace is one of the invited guests on there. So it's good. Like you said, it's good to see um, someone who um, is strong theologically uh, being invited to to have these conversations uh, with our culture. And I, t- I joked earlier with you, and I was like, wait, um, BET still on? <laughs> Because I don't, I I don't watch much TV, and I I certainly don't watch a lot of BET. But this will probably be something that I I do give, um, give some time to, just because um, it's an important conversation for sure. Yeah, and you know how little TV I watch. I was trying to figure out. I can't even name the last movie I saw, and I actually was texting you earlier in this weekend. It's like, hey, just trying to have like an in-home date with the wife. What's something we can get out the Red Box or the Netflix? Because I don't even have an idea. I'm just not much of a TV person. Yeah, bro was like, hey, man, should we watch Fences? And I was like, no, no, don't do it. <laughs> if, you're not, if, you, if you're trying to do something that's slow and that definitely uh, looks like a play, then yes. But um, I tried to steer you in another direction. So hopefully you found something else that was comparable, that was better. Yeah, so continued prayers to... Uh, to those kids, man, I know this emotionally traumatizing, and this is a conversation that definitely is going to continue in our culture. Um, and I'm just grateful for people who bring Christ-centered perspectives to uh, conversations like this, um, like like E-Mace is going to do or had done um, on this particular show. So, good stuff. Every every week we hit up something that's kind of like theological towards the end of the podcast. But I know you'd had something you've been exciting. You've been working on as far as um, a writing assignment. What you got going on over there for us this week? Yeah, I've, I've been in the lab, man. Been in the lab. Uh, one, <laughs> one of my coworkers <laughs> uh, actually asked me to write something on uh, what I call, what I would call one path evangelism and how the exclusive Jesus is uh, a message that we actually are required to share in Matthew 28 with an inclusive culture. You know, our culture is becoming increasingly inclusive so that all religions are paths to God. Everybody's coming up the mountains tied just on different sides of the mountain. So, um, so, you know, the, the old, the old adage or the old story of uh, the five blind men touching different parts of the elephant. People have used that to say, hey, there are different religions who kind of have different aspects of the truth. And they use those different aspects to enlighten themselves. So let's all be cool. Be cool. Be, be people who respect being inclusive. But that's a problem especially if you respect Jesus as a person. I know that there are people who say, I respect Jesus and all he taught, but these Christians are crazy. Well, Jesus says something that was really, really exclusive in John 14, where he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. That's actually a pretty exclusive claim. And I don't think that people want to throw those words out. So how do they wrestle? How they wrestle with those words? And then how do we proclaim that 
to people who have the perspective of saying all religions um, lead to God. So um, I just, you know, kind of wrote a piece about that and how Jesus's exclusivity is actually pretty doggone beautiful because it shows this harsh reality that, hey, humankind has a huge issue and it's called sin and it separates from us from God. So we actually do need an exclusive Jesus, one truthful way to get back to God. So um, wrote an entire piece on it, has a couple of different other points, but I just wanted to be able to shit to show that because we live in a culture and a society that is becoming that is moving further and further away from exclusive truth claims. And that's exactly what the Christian faith the Christian faith is built on. So we got to be able to to proclaim that exclusivity in the middle of a culture that's inclusive. So Jay Rich, say say you're at a coffee shop and there's someone who you really admire, the person really admires you, very loving person and comes in and just wants to do all they can for humanity, a real humanitarian type, right? Um, but the conversation starts to stall once you get to the exclusivity, <laughs> exclusivity of Jesus. I can't even say the word, so I mean, hey, that shows you how far I'm into it. But um, once you get to that John 14, 6 part, where does the conversation go? So I'm at the table with you. I'm just a humanitarian. I just want to love people well. Um, like, what? how does that conversation move forward as you talk about the truth claims of Jesus? Yeah. So, so that's, this is where, this is where the, the gospel actually transforms the entire conversation because there are plenty of religions and practices out there that are, that are humanita humanitarian in practice and practice. So, so there are people who do these good works for the good of society, but it really doesn't get down to the root issue. Um, and the root issue is a human issue. Um, it's not necessarily a global warming issue. It's not necessarily a hunger and poverty issue. All of that is driven by the human condition. So we got we to gotta be able to kind of wrestle with and, and, and grasp the fact that humanity is jacked up. I think that, that most people will agree with you that, that people, um, albeit the fact that a lot of us think that we are good, um, we see that there are things in us that, that aren't so good. So, so then the gospel transforms that conversation and says, hey, uh, forget about the idea of lifting up work over and above what should be lifted up, which is a finished work, uh, and that finished work being in the person of Christ and and the work that he had done for us to declare us righteous, bring us back into relationship with God so that his spirit can dwell in us so that our good works flow out of obedience to him, not because we want to be able to get back in right relationship with him, but they flow out of that grace that's been extended to us. So, so that's when that that coffee shop conversation kind of turns into a a gospel conversation that centers not on what we do, but what he's done. And so that's kind of like the truth apologetic. I would just add, from a philosophical apologetic, we would also say, hey, like we love the fact that you love people, 
like as Christians, we're convinced of this truth that what we do here matters in eternity. And so there's no way we could believe what we believed and then like consider us being loving with engaging this world without caring for people's soul for eternity. And so um, even what you believe affects how you love. So I think we would also include that in the conversation and say like, look, if we believe this, then you would have to say like, us knowing that your soul could be at peace with your maker would be the ultimate act of love in us engaging with you. Yes, we care that cities have clean water to drink. And uh, yes, we care about the violence problems in the inner cities. Like, yes, we care that school systems flourish. Yes, we care that relationships survive. Um, but ultimately, we care most about um, eternal things because this all flashes like this is a this life is a vapor but your soul lives for eternity and so while we never neglect those other pieces like as what we believe as christians we can't say we're loving you well without caring for your eternal well-being pass the offering plate on that one come on see lass come with it <laughs> I, was about, I was about to fire up the hammond b3 buddy <laughs> did y'all take did you take offering when you were a little like did y'all have the junior ushers yes man unfortunately the I worst was a junior usher too yo the worst so sunday shoes all that so <laughs> I, I remember one time i remember one time somebody put a dollar in but got like 50 cent back out of the offering plate i said golly like he didn't he didn't make change in my offering plate so that's just petty and terrible I grew up a church boy all right man we want to be able to peel the curtain back on our libraries and let folks know what it is we're um, not only what we're listening to but things are on our shelf that kind of had these profound impacts on us so Silas, what um, resource would you commend to our listeners as they look to continue to explore um, culture sports and everything else through through the gospel lens all right so for me um i think for me personally, um, just coming out of the Easter season, um, like I had really done a lot of work just looking at atonement. And there was a series um, on Isaiah 53 by Art Azurdia on spiritempoweredpreaching.com. Um, it's like four sermons in a row on Isaiah 53 that were just incredible. And as I was trying to um, prepare my heart for the hugest, biggest, uh, hugest is not a word, biggest uh, celebration in the Christian holiday. Um, like those sermon, that sermon series just really did a lot for my soul to prepare and like understand the importance of Easter to Christians. So I definitely would commend Art Azurdi. I love Art Azurdi anyway, but I thought that series was excellent. Isaiah 53 on spiritempoweredpreaching.com. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So for me, uh, it's actually one of the books I'm gonna I'm reading for an upcoming exam. I'm gonna be taking, and we'll we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, it's called Christ and Culture. I'm reading it again. I've actually already read it, but it's by Richard Niebuhr, and it's a great classic work um, on missiology and how to properly engage culture something we're, we're talking about here on the podcast and he offers the different takes on the christian way to engage culture um christ against culture christ of culture christ above culture and the one that he suggests as 
the one that will truly have an impact in culture is Christ actually transforming culture. And he has his entire position on on what that looks like over and above the Christ of culture and above culture, which he sees flaws in those other viewpoints. So I would commend that to to anyone who is interested in engaging culture and how to do it in a very winsome way. Amen. Closing shout outs, man. What you got, boss? So shout out to uh, my city's vice mayor, Ophi Kyer. Uh, he is working on a project this week that we will participate in called Breaking Bread to Build Bridges. And so our community is getting together no matter your ethnicity, your cultural background, who you voted for politically to just sit down. Every culture is bringing a representation of bread that's important to them. And we're just going to sit down as a community and dialogue. So uh, Mr. Kai has been at this for years in our community. He's a family friend. I've grown up with his kids. We labor together in the city to make it better. Um, so definitely shout out to my vice mayor, Mr. Opie Kaya. Big shout out. <laughs> and look at C. Lass engaging culture and in the realm of politics. I see you, boss. I'm a, I'm a grassroots guy. I mean, I don't do too much at the political level, but I will get people together to engage and to talk. Oh, I know. Trust me. I know. <laughs> Look, shout out to my homie, man. I grew up with this dude, Michael Robinson. He um, just a quick shout out to him. So I, I was in his wedding last year. And what I've seen from him as in, in terms of growth as a believer and growth as a husband is something that um, I'm really, really excited about and proud of him for. Uh, we were roommates in college. Um, and both of us were roommates BC and just seeing him grow as a husband over the past several months has been something that that's been really, um, encouraging for me. So shout out that's to dope, that's dope, from Brunswick, Georgia, the wick, the wick, the wick. <laughs> gotta get a shout out to the wick. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, that's been the episode number 30 of the Boxing One Podcast. Hopefully, we threw up enough trays like we were Steph Curry on this episode. Um, look, head on over to iTunes. Subscribe if you haven't. Leave a review for us. Leave a writing that'll help us to be able to um, get the show out there, allow people to, to listen in to us more often uh, and get more views. Also, follow us on Twitter at Boxing One Podcast. We also have a closed Facebook group, but make sure you send us a, a message and we'll add you to the group um, to join the robust conversation there. So thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you all next go around. Grace and peace to you.